it's the last lesson, but it's supposed to be the last Sunday. Um, but again, I go back to I don't feel the need to rush anything that God wants to do. We have a saying in the army that says we train the standard, not the time. And so for me, I am a believer that whatever it is that God wants us to know, his timing is not necessarily our timing. It's all about his timing. Amen. And so hopefully y'all are okay with, you know, us going into, if we have to go into next Sunday, it won't be the first Sunday that we start off a new, a new lesson. And y'all know how we like to do the first of, you know, but it may just be a little mixture, but I believe y'all will be okay because it's the word of God nonetheless. Amen. Yeah, I just, I was, I was sharing with some of my brothers and I'm just telling this testimony. So hopefully y'all don't mind, but I just want to tell the testimony because it's something that God has done for me throughout this series. We've been talking about a lot of different things and it's amazing. I mentioned it before, but it's amazing what God allow you to go through. When you are trying to encourage others and you're trying to uplift others with things, you know, but it's the enemy's agenda. Normally, if the enemy starts fighting you really hard, it's because he's afraid of what God is trying to manifest. So all the things that we've been talking about, I do believe that it has blessed somebody and helped somebody along the way. But if it hasn't helped you, it has helped me. We've been through this series before, but, you know, each time we go through it, it's just it's it's even more encouraging. And when you think about it, I mean, we go on a lengthy list of different things that people face in life. But a lot of the stuff that we brought out, pretty much you can tie in with most of the stuff that we deal with. And today we're talking about conquering bitterness, you know. I I really believe, this is me, I believe that bitterness is probably one of the underlining things that trigger a lot of the events that we experience in our world today. Bitterness. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Okay, but I believe that that's one of the underlining things. You know, we talk about the pride of life and all these other things that are, you know, results. But I believe that there's one key thing that gets overlooked. And that's that bitterness. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I got some visual aids, hopefully, that'll help bring out some of this stuff. Okay. So we'll see if we're going to have a little fun this morning and learn what it is that God wants us to learn about conquering bitterness. Okay. So starting off with the scripture, Galatians. Or excuse me, Hebrews. Excuse me, Hebrews chapter. I don't have it open yet. No, y'all didn't get the test yet. And I'm going to read the King James Version. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 15. Paul encourages the church. He says, follow peace with all men. And what? Thank you, Lord. 
Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. What does the scripture say in Matthew? Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? What? What about them? You're going to be known, you're going to be associated with God himself. But you got to make peace. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You're not even going to see him. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. If you allow me, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version just a little bit here. Actually, I'm just going to focus on the 15th verse, and it says, Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace which is his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment synonymous with rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment. Y'all heard that? And the many become contaminated and defiled by it. So the latter portion of verse 15 offers the indication that bitterness can be contagious. Bitterness is an emotional parasite that attacks a person's joy, peace, faith, and ultimately salvation. Merriam-Webster defines bitterness as causing painful emotions felt or experienced in a strong and unpleasant way, angry and unhappy because of unfair treatment. In many cases, bitterness is a result of unresolved negative emotions. Regardless of the offense, bitterness is something each and every individual must overcome for themselves. Sometimes the offender is not aware or may not care about committing the offense. However, we cannot allow bitterness to settle into our hearts. So, bitterness is already a problem for the individual. But it doesn't just stop there. Bitterness causes a problem for others, too. That's what the scripture tells us, right? Many be defiled by the presence of bitterness. So to me, to me, bitterness is kind of like a rotten fruit now i brought some visual aids this one didn't age as much as i wanted it to 
okay? I want to show you something. I'm, I'm trying to bring out some things in this, and, uh, and we'll see how far we get into the actual lesson. Can everybody hear me? Okay. All right, so obviously this is an open banana, right? It's exposed, okay? It's not really black or brown. It's not fully brown or black yet, okay, but it's getting there. Over time, now this is this has actually been, I think they bought this last week, and I just kind of let it sit in its peel in the car, and then I took the peel off today. Now, it was a whole lot whiter than this just this morning, okay? Or excuse me, last night, last evening, excuse me. Okay, so this is what transpired since I took the peel off last night. Over time, bitterness, when it first starts off, may not seem like a big deal. But over time, it starts to get worse, progressively worse. Okay? So my question to you is, if this was, the way I wanted it to be, black, would you want to eat it? No takers? I knew somebody was going to say banana bread. I told my son, I said, somebody sure going to say banana bread. But the fruit in its condition, just by itself, if you went to the store and you saw a black banana, It ain't food coloring. Would you want to eat it? No. It's undesirable, right? We know what a banana's supposed to look like. We know what a banana's supposed to taste like. But that's a problem. I can't get past the look of it. So here's what's crazy. Bitterness starts off really small. And you might be able to kind of shellac over it for a little while. But then it begins to manifest into something greater. And the crazy part is, bitter people sometimes don't even recognize how bitter they are. But when you look at it, that ain't right. Right? And y'all know what rotten fruit attracts, right? Nasty maggots with wings. Them jokers will eat anything. So, the first thing is, if there is a presence of bitterness... Is something that should be dealt with. What does scripture talk about? Less bitterness. Because once it becomes part of your roots, something is going to produce. Now, y'all know what Jesus said about evil fruit, right? Evil fruit can only produce, or evil seed, excuse me, can only produce what? 
Another visual aid. I'm going to save this one. We'll talk about it in a second. We're going to go into contributing factors to bitterness. Okay, we know that bitterness is not something that's desirable, anything like that, you know. It's not a good thing. We all know that. But these are some things that stand out to me that contributes to bitterness. First of all, your environment. And here's a definition of the environment. The conditions that surround someone or something, the conditions and influences that affect the growth, health, progress, etc. of someone or something. Circumstances, objects, conditions by which one is surrounded. Uh, the complex of physical, chemical, and biotic factors, such as climate, soil, and living things that act upon an organism or an ecological community and ultimately determine its form and survival. What does that say in a nutshell? Basically, you're influenced by the things that you're surrounded by or the things you surround yourself with. This is one of the challenges that we see when we have folks, you know, when we come into an environment like this, it's easier to get past those things because it's an atmosphere that's conducive to the move of God, the spirit of God, his presence, right? Okay, so obviously if the presence of God is here, it's filling the place, all those other things have to step back. But the challenge comes when we leave the place and we go to our normal surroundings, our normal environment, our normal atmospheres, at home, at work, at school, whatever the case may be. This is where the challenge comes in at. Did you, you know, sometimes I, this is what I've learned. Sometimes you, you, you can get, you can come in the house of God and you can feel a certain way about one of your brothers and sisters. And really it has nothing to do with anything that they have done. But it's because of all the other things that have already been accumulating in your life. So then you are already on guard. And it causes you to look at your brothers and sisters a certain way or receive stuff from your brothers and sisters a certain way because of the things that's already going on. I'm just telling you what I learned. So really it's not as big of a deal as it seems. But if I'm not careful, I will just add that on in until one day I don't even want to talk to my brothers and sisters. I don't even want to come and be associated with y'all. But the beginning of it had nothing to do with you to begin with. Y'all see how slick the enemy would try to be? That's why I love the wisdom and the spirit of God. Because it starts to illuminate things and show you what's really taking place. That's encouraging for me. 
Because sometimes things can get a little skewed. Now, I might be the only one, but sometimes dealing with some stuff, you know, you just. Okay, so I'm. When I go to work, some things don't rub me the right way. Y'all okay? I don't mind being real, but what I'm doing is testifying to the goodness of God, to the power of God over this thing that causes a lot of issues in our world today. Amen? An angry emotion is what causes a lot of, I believe, a lot of the issues we're facing in our world today. Whether it's for political reasons, whether it's for religious reasons, whatever the case may be, it all starts from an emotion. Anger is what causes me to react on an impulse rather than consider what's really taking place. Our next series, we'll be talking about putting life back into perspective. But I believe that's what's happening is a whole lot of things have been taking, taken out of perspective. So we can't see clearly no more. That's why we call it wrong, right, and right, wrong. And all this in efforts to make ourselves feel better instead of resolving the issue that's within us. You ever been around somebody that just always has something negative to say? You, you know what I can't stand? Listen, if we leave from the church service, don't call me after service. Don't call me during the week talking about how bad stuff was. I don't want to hear who got what problems. I got problems of my own. Kind of quiet. It doesn't help. Do you really think that you're helping me when you call me and tell me what Sister Sally's problem is? If Sister Sally wanted me to know her problem, she would have told me herself. Y'all all right with this? I already committed to God that I would just say what he wanted me to say and I'll just shut up after that. Far too many issues. You know, technology is a great thing, but it's become a great problem. Because folks abuse it. It can be a wonderful thing. It's not the technology. You know, technology only does what you tell it to do. That has never changed. Flip a switch. The light will come on because it said on. Flip it again. It's going off. The only time it won't come on if it goes, you know, if it goes out. Then what do you have to do? The light fixture saying, I'm not producing, I'm producing the energy, but it's not producing light because you got to change the bulb. That's a whole nother message right there. 
But technology will only do what you tell it to do. So when you pressing them buttons, texting about, oh, I can't believe what brother so-and-so did. Sinned. That was really encouraging. Let me tell you. That made me want to run through a troop and leap over a wall. Because my brother got a problem that you pointed out. I had no clue, nor did I need to know. I'm not the pastor. Thank God I'm not the pastor right now. I appreciate my pastor, but he can have that responsibility for right now until God says things got to change. God knew who to put in place, and it wasn't me. That doesn't mean I'm not willing to help out my brothers and sisters, but at the end of the day, that's not my function. That's not my role. So that means I don't need to know everybody's business. Amen? Come on, y'all. This is, this is some of the stuff that's destroying the body of Christ. You know what God told us to do? Thank you. Pray. If we spent more time on our knees praying for the needs that we're expressing to others about, last time I checked in my resume, it didn't say anything about me being God. I'm trying to be like him. But don't bring all your cares to me because I'm going to toss them right back on you. Can't handle this one. You're going to have to do that one by yourself. Cast all your cares upon I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm just being real. And if you notice something, this is something I learned. If God allows you to see something in somebody, guess what the purpose is? That's what he said, looking after. Did you see in the Amplified Version, it said, looking after one another. That's like my son seeing my, you know, my little son about to run out in the street and go tell the neighbor, hey, my brother's running out in the street. What did that help? Amen? Can I teach this thing? So we got to watch our environment. If you calling and you constantly telling me negative reports... I'm going to have to let you talk to Mr. Tone. Because if not, what's going to end up happening is going to start affecting me. You ever had somebody tell you something? You ain't never met the person. Somebody start telling you a negative report about somebody. Next thing you know, you got something against you. You don't even know who they are. You know nothing about them. But I don't like you already. He don't have a clue, but he coming. Hey, praise the Lord, brother. And, yeah, okay, yeah, praise the Lord. He don't have a clue. This stuff happens in, in, in middle school, in, in high school, they tell me. In college, really. But it shouldn't happen in the body of Christ. Let me move on. Disappointment. 
Anybody in here has never been disappointed in their life? Although there is nothing wrong with feeling disappointed with things in life, it is necessary for us to ensure that we do not overindulge the situations that cause us to be disappointed. One of my hang-ups, and a lot of times I'll sit there and I'll be praying about it, and it's like God be doing a check with me. One of my hang-ups I can't stand when I see folks who know better, who's supposed to be doing stuff, behaving a certain way, whatever the case may be, and they don't. I have an issue with that. It's disappointing. And because of my personality, I know I got to pray. I'm just, again, I'm just being real. I have to pray. But in my praying, you know what a lot of times God will do to me? This is what I get. This, when I'm driving to work sometimes, this is what I get. So how many times have you disappointed me? And I say, yes, Lord, you know what? You're right. I mean, I still feel this way, but you're right. But help me to respond the way I'm supposed to respond. I'm dealing with this thing. Help me to get through it and and be and, and behave the right way. I talk about work because, yes, that's what I deal with. I'm not complaining. I'm just stating this is what happens. You know, it's stuff that happens, right? Anytime you're dealing with people, you're going to run into issues. <laughs> That's reality. But that being said, I recognize that God has prepositioned me where I'm at because he has a task for me to fulfill there. If I'm caught up in bitterness, I will miss out on my opportunity to be a vessel for God in that environment. So the one soul that he's planted in the midst of that environment, he already knew what it was going to be like. But the one vessel he planted in the midst of it, he's so unfocused that he's not even changing anything. He's now conforming to his environment. This is something, again, God showed me in my own life. A lot of stuff that I'm sharing with y'all is just, I can only give you what he gives me. But I appreciate it. Helping me to see things the way it's supposed to be seen. Just because I'm disappointed doesn't mean I have to maximize or glorify the situation. You know what I've learned? You can keep yourself from being disappointed if you don't rely on people in the first place. Well, listen, I don't trust people. 
the Bible teaches me I'm not supposed to put my trust in any man. Y'all are, y'all, we in the, we reading the same thing, right? So I don't trust people. I don't trust myself. I put my trust in God. I told my wife this, you know, a few years ago. I said, listen, I said, let me tell you this. I said, we're talking about marriage. I said, don't put your trust in me as your husband. You put your trust in God to keep me. Because if I ever fall away, it doesn't take away your trust. Your trust and confidence is still where it's supposed to be. I understand. Some may not agree, but that's the reality. People will let you down. Doesn't mean that they do it on purpose, but they will let you down. It's just, it's, it's the way it is. But guess what, y'all? All hope is not lost. If I lose a friend today, my trust wasn't in you anyway. That's not to be rude or mean or vindictive, but that's just to say, hey, you know what? I know where I'm supposed to keep my trust and confidence. Guess what? I'm trusting God that he and I'm confident that he will keep us together. But if he doesn't, I know where my focus remains. God is not moving. He's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. So whatever I lose on this earth, as long as I'm still connected to him, I'm going to be all right. So then I find myself not even worrying about if. Well, they're human just like anybody. You ever hear somebody, oh, I just can't believe. I can. We talked about the works of the flesh, right? Guess what? If the spirit is not in control, then you have the. Anything is possible then. Man, they've been ministering for years, and then they went and shot somebody. Well, I'm not surprised. It's disappointing, right? All these scandals going on now. But it shouldn't be, a, it shouldn't be surprising, not to the people of God. But knowing those things, what should we do? So there's nothing wrong with being disappointed but as long as we don't overindulge in those things. Guess what? You remember Jonah? Jonah, here's a guy, you know, he's a prophet of God. God calls him. This is a short, you know, this is one of the shortest books in the Bible. Just to capture that one event in his life. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to deliver a message. Go where? I just imagine to me, here's the prophet. Man, we close. Me and God, we close, you know. So have you lost your mind? You know how those people are. Now, you would think. That in all the attempts that Jonah made to try to divert from the plan that God gave him, that after he arrived to Nineveh, delivered the message, here's a man that spent, tell me anywhere in the story besides Pinocchio, 
in history, it's a fairy tale, I know, where a man has survived living in the belly of a big fish. And when you look in the New Testament, it tells you the type of fish it was. It was a whale. Right? I haven't read it. Outside of that fiction stuff and all the other stuff we come up with. But being in there, I'm sure it wasn't no lights, no candles lit, stuff like that, you know. He's in the whale's stomach. Right? Can you imagine the smell? And just, huh, just, and I'd be sick. What's that stuff you got to take when you go on the sea now? Drama me? Is that what it is? Keep that motion sickness? Ain't had that back then, so I wonder. I mean, Jonah already been through a lot. Right? So, but you would think after all of that, he delivers the message to Nineveh, and then Nineveh decides, we're going to change our ways. First of all, to me, that's a dynamic story. That a whole city, a whole nation would say, we're going to change. Wow. That's powerful. I start looking at cities and environments that we're in and you're just looking at how bad it is. I start thinking about stuff like that and I say, you know what? God is still able. It only took one man to deliver the right message. That means lacrosse ain't a lost. There's still hope. But after all of that, he delivers the message. They decide to change. Here's here's Jonah. He goes up on a hill. And for whatever reason, see, he lost his focus. He's waiting for God to destroy them. Now, it's amazing to me that you deliver the message and you still miss the message. God says, change your ways. And the result of you not changing is I'm going to destroy you. What did I miss about that? What's the options? Right? Two options. Naturally, if they're in their right minds, they're going to change. You would think, right? We've got some Ninevites in the church. So he goes up there and he's waiting for God to destroy them. And guess what? God doesn't destroy them. And guess what? Jonah. The guy was bitter with them before he even arrived there. I wonder how much of it was Jonah's heart being changed to what God was trying to do. Or just Jonah feeling bad for himself 
going into it, just wanting to be out of the situation that he was in. He delivered the message, but look at his result afterwards. Okay, let me take a step back real quick. So I told you I was going to use this, right? I wanted to see if it was going to age a little bit more. I only got a few minutes left anyway. So, now that this apple looks pretty good, right? Of course, if y'all remember, I don't know if it was grade school or just growing up, or you just know, you know, if you've been on the farm or whatever, just because the apple looks good doesn't mean that it's good on the inside. Sometimes your association can cause you. This is what I learned this week. I didn't know this. But an apple will give off certain chemicals to cause the banana or other fruits to age quicker. Isn't that something? Now, look, the apple's not aging as, as far as what we can see. But look what it's doing to the banana. After a while, that banana will become mushy. It becomes rotten. No good. Listen, remember we talked about in the beginning, talked about that armor, right? A banana comes with a natural protective shell. But after a while, if you're not keeping up with your armor, you're not making sure that your faith is, you know, strong. You're not making sure you're standing in the gospel. You're not doing the things you're supposed to do. Guess what happens? You start to rot. You start to go bad. No one backslides overnight. But look at a lot of people that leave church. I'm not telling you to look at people that you know, but I guess you don't have nothing else to go off of. But look at people that you know that have left church. And consider that part of the reason, you know, you know, because like we we grow together in the house of God. Sometimes we become emotionally attached and we we lose sight. We become blinded. But what's really taking place, what's driving folks out of the house of God. Is this main thing right here? Bitterness. <clears throat> I've come to I've come to understand that bitterness. Usually can be resolved if. I'm willing. This is one of the things I like to do. If there's an issue, I like to come to you. And I prefer to, I, I don't like to do stuff over the phone or through email. I, you know, it just leaves too much room for confusion. So I prefer to address someone face to face, eye to eye. So, you know, you can see my expressions. You know where I'm coming from, but, you know, I don't mean any harm. I'm just trying to resolve the issue. A lot of times you can resolve that and get rid of that. You can kill bitterness by effectively communicating. They they tell you this in marriage counseling. That's basically what they're getting at. Both, Both parties come in just bitter. I can't stand her. Why? You don't even know why you can't stand her. You're just making up stuff. Leave the toilet seat up. Really? Really? Somebody phrased the term, get over it. 
is a seat. Put it down. Then it resolves all that bitterness. I fixed it. But really, they come in, you know, just at each other's throat. They don't even know why they're bitter at each other no more. So you open grounds, fair game for the counselor to just come in and just say, okay, let's go ahead and dissect. Because they knew, most of the time they're neutral. Don't go to nobody that's a friend of the family. Because it don't always turn out the right way. You got folks turning, taking sides and getting emotional. And next thing you know, everybody just at odds. It just becomes a bigger problem. Now the whole family got to go in for counseling. This was a marriage problem. Now it's a family problem. But then when you start communicating with one another, you say, well, this is what irks me. Me and my wife, we took, uh, well, I, I took one last night. I didn't, <clears throat> I'm not really into those things, but my wife had me, you know, she was talking about it, personality test or whatever. And they have these different tests, the love language test or personality test. And I think it's a good tool, especially when you're counseling with young people, and, you know, that are interested in getting married, so on and so forth. But she was able to read what my results were. And she can tell you all that. I don't, I don't remember everything verbatim. <clears throat> but after she read that, and it, it actually was pretty close. A lot of the stuff I don't stay claiming. I'm like, yeah, that's. It was far-fetched there. But this one, <laughs> this one was pretty good. But, she, you know, at the end she says, you know, I, I now I understand what, what you're saying. I understand what you mean when you're saying this or what you were trying to express. And really, that's really, if you think about it, it's not a marriage counseling or whatever, but just a tool in dealing with people in general. Sometimes if you just communicate, that's one of the things I love about vocabulary. If you can speak the right things, you can restore a relationship. Is a friendship, whatever, you know? Y'all remember in grade school or whatever? I'm not your friend anymore. Y'all remember that? Nobody want to be your friend anymore. The next day is like, they we're not friends no more. And you're like, What? They're not your, and come to find out, they're not your friend anymore because, oh, my time is up. They're not your friend anymore because (laughs) somebody said something that you said, or they said you said something about them, and y'all know how that whole thing goes, and so now they're not your friend no more. But instead of just coming and saying, hey, did you say this? You say yes or no, and they can either say why or Okay. Because we're supposed to be friends, right? So if you if you say yes, oh, well, why did you say it? And you can talk about it. Or if you say no, you say, okay, well, you know what? So-and-so said you said this. No, I didn't say that. And you can clarify a whole lot by talking and communicating. Thank you, Jesus, for this half a lesson, because we're going to come back next week and do some more. God bless y'all. Take your break time. We're going to come back ready for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.